podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your World Cup Daily. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Absolutely, Stella. How are yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad at all. Although, I must admit, for a while yesterday, I was genuinely heartbroken because Ecuador lost 2-1 to Senegal and their World Cup journey comes to an end. I don't think they really have anyone to blame other than their own manager. But Ismael Assar put Senegal one up from the penalty spot on 44 minutes after a rather uninspiring first half. Moises Caicedo equalised on 67 minutes and then Kaladu Koulibaly put Senegal back in front three minutes later. And that is how it stayed. I think over the group, Ecuador were the better team. I think they cost themselves with one negative 45 minutes. Dave, I'm going to make it a lot plainer here. Ecuador choked. They were the better team. They played the better football in the group stage first two rounds of action. They picked up the better results in the first two rounds of action, but in the game which mattered, they did not do anything. They had to just not lose and not just once, but twice had themselves in that position. This was not a good showing at all. They were very, very negative about their play. There was none of the real link-up play going forward that we saw in the first couple of matches. I don't think they have anyone to blame but themselves. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I thought I thought they came for the draw, and it wasn't to be. So out they go, own goal Senegal. I don't think this is a particularly good Senegal team without Sadio Mane, but they will be a tough enough out in the knockout phases. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're not a, an easy side to face. Um, you know, the way they've set up in midfield, I think, makes it difficult for the opposition, but also for themselves to break out of shape sometimes. Again, um, we're looking at them lining up with Idrissi Gay as the, the furthest man forward from that second midfield line, which, you know, he, he offers some presence for sure, but in a, a technical capacity and a goal scoring threat and creativity and link play, that's not what you're going to get from him. It's not what you would expect to get from him. Um, and obviously, Sadio Mane is the biggest loss there, no question about it, but I will keep banging the drum of Keita Balde being the absence as well. Um, he might not be the, the biggest star, but he's certainly a, a very direct threat, a ball carrier, someone who does possess the ability to score as well. Mane and Keita Balde together had as many goals for the international team as the rest of the squad who actually went to the World Cup put together. So when you take out that ca- uh, that quantity, of goal scoring threat, it's obviously going to be something that they lack, um, certainly in the early part of the competition until they found a way to um, 
be their own type of team, let's say, without Mane, who is such a big threat for them, who is such a big presence in the build-up play and everything. Uh, what I will say is that I think the defensive work from Senegal has improved as the group stage has gone on. I think they much improved themselves once they put Jacobs to the left back and put Jallo in the middle. Uh, I think that was quite an important switch for them. Koulibaly actually turned up yesterday, which is, is good of him. I think he was one of a, a few big-name players at the World Cup who hadn't done anything at all until this final round of games. So, again, quite an important improvement for them. They won't be an easy opponent, but I doubt too many would favour them in the round of 16 the way the draw has gone now. Yeah, no, I do agree with the, I do agree with that. The other team coming out of that group is the Netherlands. They beat Qatar 2-0. Cody Gakpo making it three goals in three games. And then Frankie de Jong making it 2-0 and wrapping up the game. Very, very straightforward for the Dutch. Qatar, again, they avoided a hammering, but they didn't offer a whole lot. No, I mean, Qatar have managed to not embarrass themselves, is what I will say, in terms of the team here. Uh, that's what we're talking about, the team, not not anything else at all. The team did not embarrass themselves. And I think that that is a positive in that in the opening 30 minutes of the World Cup, they looked like they really, really could. Uh, they looked like they could have been hammered 4-5-6-0 on that first game, and it could have got worse from there. But they did sort themselves out a bit. We saw a couple of halves of football along the way where they did be a bit more attack-minded. They scored their first goal, obviously. So there are pointers to, to take um, in terms of progression for them and something to build towards for the future of Qatari football. But obviously, on an actual absolute level of quality, they are miles and miles off it still. Netherlands, I didn't really think much of, to be honest at all. This was not a test for them. I don't think we can actually take too much from this group stage overall. They weren't very cohesive in attack. They were only just now, when they've got Memphis back in the side, starting to look like they have any kind of partnerships. But again, I think there are a couple of people here who did not impress. Frankie de Jong was one of them throughout the group stage. I don't think has been too good. But his goal yesterday gave me my most annoyed moment of the World Cup so far with the two defenders who apparently decided that they could take seven years to close out the three steps between themselves and the ball while Frankie ran 10 yards past them to score. Yeah, it was an interesting approach. Uh, <laughs> I don't really understand. I, I do wonder if if by that point, Qatar had just kind of realised that it's over. We're all devastated. Let's not bother anymore. Um, Iran nil, the United States of America won. Mr. Matchett, we predicted America to finish bottom of their group. Mm. Instead, they are going through to the knockout phases. Once again, I'm left hugely impressed by the midfield, especially the duo of Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa, who have to be... I think Tyler Adams has covered the most ground at this World Cup. Musa has to be right up there in the top four or five. Yeah, so I mean, like this was obviously on a bit of a knife edge in terms of which team went through. And I must admit, I've not had a great chance to watch the second half yet because once USA went ahead, I was fairly confident, actually, that they would hold out against Iran, who were not offering too much in terms of an attack and threat. So second half of that game is yet to be watched back. But that's the trouble with, uh, obviously, the final round of games being on at the same time. Sometimes you just will have to focus on one at the moment. So I think that USA have basically done themselves um, quite a big favour in the end in not rotating that team too much. Because again, I think that they seem to gain cohesion and understanding from this side as it went on. 
which is totally not a surprise and is what we've been mostly been talking about in the last sort of two months in the lead up to the World Cup after all the chops and changes to the entire squad, changing that starting lineup around the defence and goalkeeper especially. They seem to finally have settled on the team and now that's pretty much going to play maybe with one or two changes along the way. Josh Sargent, as you write, obviously has been a bit of a switch. Cameron Carter-Vickers coming in yesterday. I didn't actually see pre-game why that switch happened, so maybe you can uh, shed light on that one. My only, I suppose my, my working assumption is that Zimmerman just wasn't able to play three games in such a short period of time. He did look a little bit leggy against um, against England. I mean, Cameron Carter Vickers is he's okay. I mean, that's he's okay for Celtic, but that's Celtic in Scotland. He's certainly not of the required level to do much of anything at the very highest level. But I, my assumption is that um, Zimmerman just wasn't wasn't capable of playing in this game. Fair enough. Um, they are going to need more than just 12 players to, to get any further so far. So um, fair play to them for getting through. Uh, again, I will say the starting 11 and the increase in familiarity between quite a few groups of players there has been absolutely key to them. Uh, progressing from the group stage, I will still be looking for more from them. But well done for going through. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think they've done well. Um, I, I think they've got a poor manager, and I think that will hold them back. They will take on the Netherlands, though. Um, obviously, we'll talk about that game when it comes up. But I, I do think they'll cause the Dutch a lot of problems, especially in that midfield where they can just overrun them. Yeah, I think there's a couple of intriguing matchups here, in in particular the central midfield area, because Netherlands seem to be happy just to go with the double pivot and let. Or Davy Klassen, as it turns out, <laughs> roam forward as a number 10. That was probably one of the lesser expected outcomes of the Louis van Gaal rotations in the group stage. But, you know, again, you look at USA from the three games, they've only conceded one goal. They, they have been relatively tight and relatively compact and fairly safe in some of the matches. There's, there's more that they'll need, I think it's fair to say, but uh, from an attacking perspective, I mean, but... They've done what they needed to do to get through in the group stage. All you've got to do is make sure you get more points than two other nations. So they've done that in whatever way they thought best. I'm not impressed by either of those teams so far, it's fair to say. Yeah, I think that is fair to say on your behalf. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've been pretty impressed by the Americans. Other than that second half against Wales, I do think they've been good. And I think they've played the best football in the group so far. Um England defeated Wales by three goals to nil. A fairly dull and dour first half came to life in the second half. Marcus Rashford on 50, Phil Foden on 51, and Rashford wrapping it up on 68. Again, I wasn't overly impressed by England, but they got the job done with a big helping hand from a man who I would say is potentially a contender for the worst goalkeeper at this tournament, as well as the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League, in one Danny Ward. Uh, what did you make of the English performance? Um, a bit similar to Iran, to be honest, uh, as in the England performance against Iran, in that it was fairly safe and predictable and slow and all one pace and everybody coming to the ball a little bit too much uh, up until the first goal went in. And then everyone seems to suddenly have this 
really weird rise of confidence and the passes are being popped off and there's runners around the corner and one touch link up players happening and people go in the channels a lot more. So I'm not really sure why that flick of a switch is when they go a goal ahead. I think in the in the knockouts they'll need to do that somewhat earlier, at some stage at least. Um I don't really think England were tested from a defensive standpoint in this match whatsoever, so I don't think you can read too much into that. But the golfing quality was very, very evident for most of the game. Fair play, I think, to Southgate for swapping up a few of the players. Uh, I think it will be important if England do want to go far in this competition that certain players like Carl Walker uh, are involved. Marcus Rashford obviously is very, very confident right now. You can see that in most of his first touch and where he gets the ball and what he looks to do. Important that Foden got involved as well. So good decisions, I think, this time. Uh, The match, like I say, after 1-0, England's confidence went up, but Wales's went down. So the game was well, well done by 55 minutes. There wasn't really too much to take after that. So you're not on board with the idea that John Stones is the very best centre-back in the world then? I must admit, I must have missed that uh, notification on Twitter, but I'm, I'm probably going to steer clear of the assessment for the basis of that game. Yeah, well, apparently the fellow who can't get a game at club level in his preferred position and has had one good season in the six years he spent at Man City is the the finest centre-back in the world. Um, good. Good I, I thought, thought England were just kind of boring. Um, the the two goals in whatever it was, like 89 seconds or however long, was kind of came out of the blue. I didn't think they looked really like scoring up until the Rashford goal. Um, but like you said, they got the job done. That's all that really matters. All they needed to do was avoid a 5-0 defeat, and they won 3-0. So you can't criticise uh, the outcome. I just think they're going to need to up the levels when they face Senegal in the knockout phase, I think that's going to be a tougher game than I think. I think Senegal's a tougher game for England than Ecuador would have been, even though I do think Ecuador were the better team in the Sorry. knockout phases because I think Senegal have a bit more purpose when they counterattack. Ecuador's entire game plan is get the ball to enter Valencia. Senegal can spread it around, and obviously they have a bigger threat. In Ishmael yeah, I think that Senegal will be a, a trickier game for England than Ecuador would have been as well. Um, I do agree with that. I think it's a lot more of a, a combative side in midfield as well, which England haven't really had that test yet. I expected Wales to do a bit more. Um, you know, USA basically outplayed England in midfield. It wasn't so much the physical battle that they won, even though they possibly would have done that anyway, uh, depending on which three midfielders are picked in the end. You assume Mason Mount comes back in or whatever. I thought Bellingham was very good again last night. I think the biggest positive for England to take out the group stage, other than the fact that they topped the group, obviously, is that they have now at least three, no, I would say four forwards, you could say, are in decent form. And he's got something not just to pick from, but also to change the game off the bench if they need it. Uh, And I'm not actually including Raheem Sterling in that group, who I think will start anyway. So that gives him really good options to to play around with with the attacking line. So if it doesn't happen initially, England have got decent options off the bench, which is not something I would say about all the better nations at this World Cup so far. Yeah, I think that's very fair. It would be nice to see Harry Kane 
get a few touches of the ball in the opposition penalty area. Mm. I think that's kind of the next thing that needs to happen for him. He's, he's doing a lot of really good work dropping off and linking play and bringing everybody else into the game. But the guy is one of the best number nines on the planet and he's not getting the service that he needs. So hopefully as the games go on, uh, they'll be able to find Kane a little bit more in, in areas where he can actually get a shot on goal. Uh, moving on then to today's games, there are four, of course. The 3 p.m. games come from Group D. We have Tunisia versus World Cup champions France. France obviously on six points, Tunisia on one point. You would expect France to win this game, though Tunisia, as you mentioned the other day, they've come to be quite defensive and quite compact. So I don't think it'll be all that easy for France to break them down. But on the other side, I, I don't see Tunisia really troubling France at the at the French defensive end. I agree. I think this will be a an attritional sort of match uh, from Tunisia's perspective. I assume France will try and rotate the team a little bit to give either some opportunities elsewhere or protect one or two players who need it. Uh, you think of like Varane is obviously coming back from injury and they're still trying to protect him a bit. So maybe he only plays part of this game. Maybe someone comes in for Dembele, who started the first two, and obviously they've looked to replace him in both matches. So maybe there's an opportunity there for perhaps Kingsley Coleman, someone like that. Um, I think there's there's scope here for France to not experiment tactically, but make sure everyone are, are really involved and present and ready to compete because they are obviously one of the ones who are here to win. That's it. They're here to win the World Cup, and that's if that's what they're going to do, they're going to need at least another three or four players just outside that start in 11 who are absolutely on it and near the top of their game and pushing mm. the starters all the way. So this is a good opportunity to do that. No real pressure on them, I think. <laughs> Given that they are three points clear, they haven't won the group yet, but I think they will win the group because I don't see Australia outright winning their match. So it's not really a pressure situation or France have to get the draw even or anything like that. So I think it's a good opportunity for them to really commit to playing as quickly as possible, fresh yeah. as much as they can, try and get the win and improve and impress and all the rest of it. But if you don't, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. Let's face it, you'll still top the group. Definitely a great opportunity for them to bring in some of the players that haven't had a chance so far. Maybe Saliba starts. I'd like to see Kamavinga. Um, who came on? Yusuf Fafana, I thought, did pretty well when he came on in the last game. So I wouldn't mind seeing him start. Maybe you can rest Chiumeni and Rabio that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. This is an opportunity for them to just experiment, not experiment, but just you know, try, and, try and push the envelope a little bit and be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit braver because they have the players. There's absolutely no doubt they have the players. I, I, I think they're the best team I've seen. Um, I know they weren't incredible in their last game, but one fella was, and that can be all you need at times in a World Cup. The other game in that group is obviously the more interesting one. It is Australia versus Denmark. Australia have three points. Denmark have one point. So the Aussies know that a draw puts them through. Denmark have to win this game. If Denmark don't go through, Carl, I'd be very disappointed in them because mm. this is a good Danish team. Like, they they don't have a, a reliable goal scorer. We talked about that before the tournament. But defensively, they're strong. 
They've got really good options in midfield. They've got good supporting attackers. Although Damsgaard is out of form. I think Scott Olsen uh, might be in for him today based on form. But it's that lack of a number nine that's hurting them. Yeah, um, look, I mean, this is a massive, massive opportunity for Australia. No no two ways about that. It's you know, potential for a historic sort of moment for them to, to get through, obviously, to the next round. So I expect that they will start exactly the same way that they've uh, been playing. So basically, first 30 minutes, fly out the blocks, really, really aggressive, try and be attack-minded, try and create stuff, try and bundle the ball over the goal line by whatever means possible. And then for the next hour, they defend and they defend ferociously and they defend with everything they've got which is not it has to be said with absolutely high quality levels of either technical or tactical ability or organization that's what obviously saw them come undone against france which is utterly acceptable same as it was for denmark losing just about that was not good but it was acceptable because it's france it's the other game which has decided the fate of this group basically how do you do against tunisia when they defend and when they're deep and when they're not attacking you. Denmark didn't have an answer to that, and Australia did, which yeah. is why, you know, right now that's that's all the pressure on Denmark. They have to come out and they have to win this game. So basically for Denmark, for their perspective, they've got to get through that opening burst from Australia without conceding. And if they do, I expect them to win because I don't see Australia keeping Denmark out for the full game, even though they don't have a single goal threat. There will just be too much pressure. There'll be too much... Uh, concentration required to keep up that level over and over and over again against what will be undoubtedly a lot of Denmark possession, probably a lot of increasing numbers of attackers on the pitch. Um, Australia, I think it was 2006 last time they got out of the group. So it's such a massive, massive opportunity for them. If they score in that first period of the game, I think Australia go through. I, mm. I do think that they'll concede a goal, but it's whether or not that is for the draw or for the defeat. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, like like you said, that they've done really well is they've started games really, really well. They got their goal against Tunisia, I think, in like the 22nd or 23rd minute, and it was within the first 10 minutes that they scored against the French. The French have so much attacking talent that they were able to break them down. I don't know that the Danes will be able to do the same on multiple occasions if the Aussies can get a goal. I'm hopeful that Denmark put on a good performance because I think it would be it would just be really disappointing. This is a good team mm. and they haven't shown what they can do yet at this tournament. So I'm hopeful. Uh, let's move on then to the later games. We have Saudi Arabia, who started the tournament brilliantly by beating Argentina up against Mexico, who have not had a particularly good tournament so far. Uh, just the one point that from a draw against Poland, the game they played pretty well in, but should have ultimately lost because Lewandowski missed a penalty. Um, what do you make of this one? Intriguing. Um, again, I think, you know, Saudi Arabia wouldn't have expected to be in this position in the first place. The fact that they could actually still end up winning the group is beyond comprehension for those who were making predictions before the tournament, shall we say? Um, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, Mexico are the better footballing side, but they have nothing in attack. They haven't scored a goal yet in the competition. Mm. They don't really have a number nine worthy of the name at the moment. Uh, the two wide forwards, I think, are very good in Vega and Lozano, but you need more than that. You've got to have the link play. You've got to have the support from the second line. You've got to have 
a bit of composure and consistency in the final third. Saudi Arabia have been the best counter-attacking side, probably, in how brave they are relative to, obviously, their overall general level. Best defensive line in the tournament as well. Yeah, ridiculously good. Really aggressive, very, very high. The goalkeeper as well, um, I would say, probably an overlooked thing, how how quickly he is off his line and sweeping up behind them. Um, It's not perfect, obviously. They've conceded three. It's the most in the group, Mm. but they've done brilliantly with what they had. Uh, And again, I think... Against Poland, they could have been, what, two goals clear before Poland scored their first one. So unfortunate for them that they're not. But if you'd have offered them three points after playing Argentina and Poland, you're damn right they would have taken it and they're still in with a shot. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, if if the Argentina-Poland game goes a certain way, they could even get through with a draw, but it would require a heavy Argentina win over Poland. Uh, The Saudis... Like you, they did concede three goals, but let's remember as well that the penalty they conceded to Argentina was an absolute nonsense. Um, they fought back so well and got that win. Like you said, they were streets ahead of Poland. Mm. Absolutely rampant and, and should have been a couple of goals upward with cutting them open at will and and holding their own defensively. And then obviously Zielinski scores and then Lewandowski scores and it's game over. Uh, I think this is a is is a fun game. I do. I think this will be a fun game because Mexico can still qualify. Yeah. So they've got to go for it as well. Like they really need to go for it. They have to go all out. They, they can't to afford to be. Yeah. <laughs> just scoring. Look, just get yeah, just get a goal. Just forget everything else. Just get a goal today. Um last game then is there's two legends facing off. It's Lewandowski versus Messi. It's World Cup legacies on the line. And obviously Messi's is the far bigger legacy because Messi is Messi. As great as Lewandowski is, he doesn't sit at the same table as Lionel because that's a table for two. That's Lionel and, and Diego, and Diego's no longer with us. Um, I'm looking forward to this game because Argentina have been really uninspiring. Like, really, really uninspiring. I'd like to see a bit more bravery from Scaloni. I think he's obviously... He figured out something that worked, and they went on that long, unbeaten run. And then he lost a couple of really important pieces to that team. And he hasn't adapted at all. Enzo Fernandez has got to start in this game. Yeah, It was his introduction against Mexico that changed that game. He has got to start, and I don't care whether it's over DePaul or Paredes, but he's got to start in one of those spots. And they need more from Latour Martinez because he's been a disappointment for me in this tournament. Yeah, aside from that first half, probably against Saudi Arabia, where I thought his movement was really good. Obviously, he scored the goal, which was one of his armpit hairs offside or whatever it was. I think that that type of game is sort of... Similar to how I feel with Inter Milan, basically. He'll get a a run of games where he's very, very good or a run of games where he doesn't do anywhere near enough for the team. His movement into the box in that first half was really good, but it was almost like the frustration of it got to him and then he didn't really offer much in that second half against um, Mexico. I thought he was largely poor in terms of his link play, his hold-up play. He was never making those really strong runs into the box when Di Maria was charging down the flank and looking for someone to deliver too early. I would personally be inclined to take Lautaro Martinez out at this point. I think this is a, a player who is such a, a streaky forward 
that if you've already had a couple of games like this and you you have a game now which you need, I wouldn't be starting him personally. But um, who else do you put in is the, is obviously the question there. Julian Alvarez is the only other option, really, isn't he? He is, but I think he's he, very inexperienced. It, not just inexperienced, I think he was outright poor, the, the games that he's come on. I don't think he's done anywhere near enough to justify starting. So whether you just say Angel Correa because you know what exactly you're going to get from him or has Dybala been anywhere near full fitness and training or anything like that, mm. there's, there's, you have to do something. But even if it was just a case of, to be honest, switching Di Maria to the left and playing him as an out-and-out winger and putting Alvarez through the middle then and letting Messi be you know, from the right, but actually... But floating centrally. Yeah, because mm. with Alexis McAllister on, you've actually got someone who can do a bit of channel work. Obviously, Montiel is going to overlap now and then, or Napuel even better if they start him again instead. So I think you know, there's options there, but like you say, Scaloni has to work very, very fast to, to fix something. And the difficulty of that during an international tournament is not appearing like you don't know what you're doing for your team. And you can you know convince the group that even though you've been doing something all the time, this will work and it's not a fundamental change in how we approach it's just different people in different areas to do a slightly different thing if you look at Poland's defense for example where have they struggled in this tournament I would say behind the left back has been one area delivering constant crosses from deep is not the way to go against Kamaglik Szczesny's been all right in terms of claiming crosses as well but Krychowiak you can absolutely get at him you can absolutely get around Krychowiak with the sort of two or three players playing in and around him I don't think that Frankowski has been superb, let's say. He's been okay as like an outball and a runner kind of thing, but Bielik has probably been the only other one who's helping Krychowiak. So if you can get Enzo passing around him, if you can get Alexis McAllister playing between central and channel areas, there's your build-up play. And then Messi. Messi doing whatever the hell yeah. Messi wants to do outside of tactical instruction he is, and that's that's what you want. But you've got to have, obviously, other pieces, which is not just give it to Messi and see what happens. Yeah, if you can run off that mid, run off the back of the the flat forward that play in front of Krzyzowiak, and get you know quick passing around him, you'll spin him quite easily. And he's he just doesn't have the legs to get back anymore. He was never all that quick, but he could make up for it by being you know a step ahead of you. Now that's not there anymore, and he can be a little bit of a liability when when you get numbers around him and start dragging him here and there. Um, he's yeah, the guy's in his mid thirties, and he's he's put hard yards in for his whole career. Um, right, let's do predictions then before we wrap. Uh, France versus Tunisia. Uh, I will go for two nil. Let's say after a rotation for France, I'm going to go three nil because I do think even though they they should rotate, I think Mbappe will still start. Yeah, and I quite fancy his chances against that Tunisian backline. He's quite good, uh, isn't he? He's not bad now. Like he, he's a decent player. He might have a bit of a future in the game. It remains to be seen, obviously. Um, probably needs to get himself up and out of that farmers league. But you know, he, he's got, he's got, a, he's got promise. <laughs> he is. Is he the best player in the world right oh, now? Like right now, um, he might be the most impactful player in the world right now. Mm. His form has been sensational this season, and some of the individual moments that he has. I mean. Oh, my God. Uh, in the last game when he started running through the middle and he was just away from everybody in about five steps, that acceleration is so, so frightening. I think that was actually the one where uh, was it Christensen. Christensen or Jokamanderson pulled him back and got the yellow. Yeah. 
that was like five steps of supersonic train speed that was ridiculous and he's done it over and over again he's so so confident obviously at the moment it's it's a very difficult thing to do i must say i'm looking forward to you know when we start doing the podcasts in the next round where there are only a couple of games a day and we have a bit more time to talk about individual players which yeah me too this this we've not obviously been able to do too much but yeah he might be one yeah i mean when, when he gets the ball with a defender in front of him and space behind them or the ball is knocked into space and he just turns on the jets you can almost visibly see the poo coming out of those defenders <laughs> as they try and deal with him. He, he is he yeah. is unbelievable. Um, it's just it's not fair how good he is at that age. I've said it to you before. I think he's going to break every World Cup record, and I think he's going to trouble Pele's three World Cup wins. I really do. Um, he's a freak of nature. Uh, Australia versus Denmark. Then this is a big game. This is what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, this is huge. Uh, I am going to back the Socceroos to do what they need to do, 1-1. Oh, I have to go with Denmark. I have to. I was high on them coming into the tournament. I'm going to go with the Danes to win 2-1, and I apologise to everybody in Australia because I'd love to see you get through. I think, um, I think we have to acknowledge that's probably the sensible bet, but <laughs> I'm going a bit with, uh, with the ferocity here and the, what was it? Arnold called it after the game. Uh, the Aussie spirit. The Aussie spirit is going to see them through again once more. Like you said, if they get that early goal... Oh, that's key. That's everything. They're in They're in a phenomenally good position. But if Denmark score first, I think the Aussies are in big trouble. Yeah. Because I think if they have to commit to try and get back into yeah. a game, they'll leave themselves exposed. If they um, chase it, they could lose by a few. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Uh, Saudi Arabia versus Mexico. Does the great Saudi start against Argentina go completely to waste, or do they find their way through? This is such a tough one to pick. I, honestly, I think um, Unlikely being suspended is huge for them as well. He's been a very, very big player for them in the centre of the pitch there, but Cano's really good as well, so hopefully they don't miss him too much. I'm going to go with Saudi Arabia to get a point here. I'm going to say Mexico finally learned to shoot. Um, there is some madness, maybe a late goal. I'm going to go 2 2 here. <clears throat> I quite fancy the draw as well. I'll go 1 1. I do quite fancy the draw on this one. I think the Mexicans are going to have to chase the game because they need the win. So I'll go 1 1, but I'm, just, I'm really excited to watch that Saudi Arabian defensive line. It's just. You don't see at World Cups a team be that aggressive with their offside trap. But obviously, they, like Liverpool, have looked at it and thought, well, we have VAR now. We have this automated offside. So, you know, we can afford to be really aggressive here as long as we nail it and get it right. Last game then, Poland versus Argentina. How do you think this one works out? This is the most difficult group to predict by about a million miles, as it's turned out. And I honestly don't know what to expect from Argentina. They could turn up. They could not. They could be utterly reliant on one human being. They could be utterly reliant on one alien. They have both of those in their lineups. So I haven't been that impressed with Poland, I have to say. I, I don't think that they've been very good at all. They were fairly stodgy against Mexico. They didn't really be too adventurous. They missed, obviously, the penalty that they should have won the game with, and they weren't, like I said, better than Saudi Arabia up until they scored that first goal. So 
I think Argentina will win. I'm going to back Argentina to do some footballs and win. I'm going to go 2-0, I think. Poland are one of only three teams, sorry, one of only, yeah, one of only three teams yet to concede a goal in this tournament, yeah. along with Morocco and Brazil. I think that comes to an end as well. I'll go, I'll, I'll go, yeah, I'll go 2-0 as well. Uh, Poland haven't been good. Like, they weren't particularly good against Mexico. You could make a strong argument Mexico were the better team in that game. And Saudi Arabia were definitely the better team in that game up until the first goal. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think they're going to get... I think Messi's going to catch them at some point. I'll go Argentina 2-0. So that would see Argentina top, but Poland still going through with a superior goal difference over Saudi Arabia. Um, and to be fair, I think they are the two teams most people would have picked pre-tournament to get through. It will be heartbreaking for Saudi Arabia, but look, if you come away with four points from that group, you have taken a massive step forward as a footballing nation. And I do think there'll be clubs in Europe now casting eyes at Saudi Arabian players and thinking they can play at a good level. So let's give it a chance and see if we can get one or two of these lads in. Can we just make the point here as well? If it is 3-0... Mm to Argentina, then it would be level on points, level on goal difference, level on goals scored. So it would then go to head-to-head, and in which case it would still be Poland to go through because they beat Saudi Arabia. Yes. So it does need like a four-goal swing if Saudi Arabia only draw. Yeah, but if, if Saudi score a couple, they'd score, they'd have more goals scored. Oh, yeah, so they they, they yeah, would yeah, go through in that, that regard. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I can see them conceding three but look, it wouldn't be surprising at all if Saudi Arabia beat Mexico and Poland lose, and it's the Saudis that go through. That I don't don't think that would surprise anybody based on what we've seen. So Mexico far. may not take a shot. It, when when the groups are wrapped, there's there's definitely. I know we don't have a day off until after the round of sixteen, but we might do one reflective pod looking back at the groups and the teams that roundly disappointed us and what the kind of key themes through the group stage was. Mm. Uh, but Mexico are one of the teams that just do disappoint me because they have a good defence, a good midfield, and good wide forwards. There's no real excuse for them not scoring goals. It, there just isn't. I know they don't have a nine, but still, you've got to... You've, Carlos Vela's really, really good, and Chucky Lozano's really, really good. Even though they're playing quite well, we need more from them. We need to see them get, you know, a shot on target just for starters. Um, right. What are your, uh, what have you got written for the good people to read today? Uh, I had a bit of a, a look and a discussion of Phil Foden's performance, and obviously he is the new Jack Grealish stroke, James Madison stroke, Jude Bellingham in that he's not playing, and therefore everyone wants him in the team, and mm. this seems to be the thing that England do. So I had a look at him the arguments, uh, how he played, obviously, and what Southgate will do about it. It will never not amuse me that Phil Foden is the chaviest-looking young fella I've ever seen. He's 22 years of age, and his middle name is Walter. So, you know, it's, I don't know why that's amusing to me, but it just is. Uh, that'll do us. Follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Matchett. Follow Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle, and follow me at Mr. Two-Footed. And we will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.